Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever the Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical of our 10-part series here on the all-new Harden My Take. It's Jeremy Brenner here, and Mike Brown, we started off strong in episode one, and we are going to dive deeper into our list today in episode two. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, last time we spoke, um, we had some similarities with our lists, but albeit some differences as well. I guess we'll just remind the listeners as to our previous lists uh, from before. Um, if you have it, if you want to learn more about the reasoning behind these lists, go check out our previous episode where we talked from 50 to 46. So my list started out with number 50 as Donatus Modiunas, and number 49, his teammate, Terrence Jones, number 48, the mayor of Houston himself, not Sylvester Turner, but Gerald Green, 47, his teammate, E.G. Eric Gordon, and number 46, none of those guys' teammates, Mike Dunleavy, uh, threw down 28 in a finals game in 1981. So that's my first five. 
And Mike, I'm going to have you remind the listeners as well what your first five were. Uh, number 50, I came in with the mayor of Houston, not Sylvester Turner, Gerald Green. Uh, at number 49, Donatus Montiunis. At number 48, Carl Herrera. At number 47, Ron Metaworld Peace Artes. At number 46, Russell Brody Westbrook. Russell Westbrook. All right, so... Um, interesting start to the list, some similarities and some differences, um, but let's get it rolling with number 45, uh, Mike, who you got for us? Number 45, I am going to go with Rafer Skip to my Lou Alston. All right, number 45, Rafer Skip to my Lou Alston. Uh, do you want to explain your reasoning behind that pick? Yeah, Rafer Alston, uh, for basketball aficionados, he gained a lot of his fame. For people who don't know, the Skip to My Lou nickname came from his history uh, as a part of the And One uh, basketball tour. Um, and this was a guy that, me growing up, was one of my favorite guys to watch. I don't know if you were a fan of the, the And One mixtape tour, but there were guys yeah. like Professor... There were guys they all like, had, like these cool nicknames, and they were known by their nicknames only. And uh, Ray Ferris kind of brought that like, culture a little bit to the NBA. Yeah, I, there they had so many guys on that tour, but Ray Alston is one of the few guys—not few, but he was one of the the guys that was able to translate skills from that style of basketball to the NBA, which right. is not an easy feat because that's what a lot of those guys get asked when they, you know, well, you can play on the N1 tour, but could you play in the NBA? Well, Rafer Alston did. Yeah. Um, and he was, in a, he was never a, a superstar in the league, but he brought a lot of excitement to the team, numbers-wise, you know, all three years that he played for the Rockets, full seasons. Uh, from when he was 29 to 31, he averaged uh, more than 12 points a game, which I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about guys who could average double-digit points per game over a three-year span in NBA history, there's not a ton of those guys. Yeah. So he was, he was the Rockets starting point guard from 05 till uh, 08, 09, and then he got traded to the Magic, and the Magic were uh, title contenders at that point, so they really needed uh, a backup point guard for Jameer Nelson. I remember this, um, and... They dealt for him and helped them to a finals appearance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Rafer Alston, I think for the sake of this list, I think is, is right where he should be. I think he definitely is a top 50 player. I think he was a top 50 talent. I think he was certainly a – it wasn't just a scheme fit here like you just mentioned. He was able to go to the Magic and contributed to that team. So he was a viable NBA player. Uh, and he comes in at number 45 on my top 50 yeah. Houston Rockets of all time. Yeah. Mike, I couldn't agree with you more uh, figuratively and literally. He also is number 45 on my list. So this is number one where you and I uh, have matched on our lists. That's Most awesome. Proud to that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, you know, Ray for Alston growing up, I mean, I guess this is more of your high school days if I'm wrong but um and this is more of my like elementary school day I remember there was a kid in my class 
his last name was also Alston, and he also played basketball. And um, no, actually, and he actually plays now for Boise State. Uh, his name is Derek Alston. Shout out to Derek Alston. His uh, his dad uh, coached for the Rockets um, back. You know, he, he his dad coached the Rockets, I believe, during the Kevin McHale um, regime, and now he's the coach uh, for the Westchester Knicks in the G League. So, uh, but growing up, I remember Rafer Alston was the starting point guard, and everyone thought it was his dad, which was funny to me because I knew it wasn't because I had met his dad, and his dad also Derek Alston had a very long career uh, in the NBA and then overseas. So. We all were like, oh, you know, hey, is that – are you related? And he's like, no, 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 not related at all. But, um, yeah, no, Rafer Alston definitely um, had, a, had a flair to his game that uh, was just very exciting to watch. He wasn't necessarily um, the best player on the court, and he wasn't necessarily – I wouldn't call him a super great point guard, especially when you look at – the point guards that have followed him uh, in Rockets history. But I think when you look at Rafer Alston, he was a serviceable point guard. He was a fun point guard. And I think that's why he was a fan favorite. He played, he started every game he played. He never came off the bench. He was a consistent starter uh, for a good period of time. During that uh, 22 game win streak, he was the starting point guard for a chunk of that, I believe. Right. Am I wrong? No, you're right. Yeah. You're yeah. Dead so, on. And I think those are the, greatest memories of Rafer Alston that um that Houston fans have of him uh so comes from a very uh passionate time in Houston Rockets history and you know yeah he he comes in at number 45 I think it's a good spot for him um I think we've said all there is to it anything else to add Mike no I mean definitely one of my favorite players as a Rocket because like you I think you hit the nail right on the head that he had flair to his game. And when you, when he stepped on the court, it was always like, okay, what's about to happen kind of thing. Um, but yeah, skip to my Lou. Love him. Skip to my Lou ends up at number 45 on our, both mine and Mike's top uh, 50 list. So do you want to go ahead with number 44, Mike, or do you want me to? Why don't you go ahead? Uh, right. Because I stole your thunder on the first one. So number 44 to me um, was less about how he played during his career, but more so what he's done since then that, you know, because I think for me, it's not just the Rockets on the court. It's the Rockets off the court as well. And Matt Bullard has made himself a part of Rockets culture for the past 25 years even after his playing career ended, which is why he's number 44 on my list here. And this is not just to say, oh, you know, he's a, uh, he's, he's only on this list for his, you know, broadcasting career. Cause that's very far from the truth. He actually had a pretty decent career while he was in Houston. I think if he were to play in the league today, he would be seen as like, that stretch four that every team wants. I mean, he's 6'10", can shoot the three ball. He was like almost 20 years too early, Mike. Yeah, he his game resembles a lot of what Ryan Anderson was brought here to do. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I could see that comparison for sure. 
He also played nine seasons with the Rockets, and very few people can uh, claim that feat. Uh, from 90 to 94, and then 96 to 01, he came back to Houston. So it's like he was always meant to be a Rocket. And, you know, since he, you know, graduated from the league, he's now moved on to the booth. And it's almost a perfect fit, him in the booth. I've loved, he's been the play-by-play, or he's been the color guy pretty much ever since I grew up. I actually, um, when I went to go cover a game back in, uh, December when the Rockets were in Orlando, I it, I had a funny story with him. Um, he was like I knew it was him like deep down, but I was very nervous because it was the first NBA game that I had ever covered. Um, and it definitely looked like him. But then he turned around and had a different name on, and I was like, "Hold up!" I was like, "Oh, sorry, I didn't see you there." No, wait, you are Matt Buller. <laughs> it was it was kind of. It was, like, a little bit embarrassing, and I was a little bit nervous, but you know what? I'm saying this now on air, so maybe I wasn't really that nervous. It's just something that I've kind of laughed off over time. Um, but he's just a real great guy, and I think that when you think of Rockets and when you think of the 90s Rockets, uh, and when you think of uh, now, uh, Matt Bullard comes to mind. And the fact that he is able to do that across different generations of basketball fans I think is a good reason why he's sitting at 44 on my list well I have a, I have a question for that story though if you didn't think it was Matt Bullard like Matt Bullard's a legitimate 610 so who did you think it was like <laughs> I mean I'm thinking to myself like that I mean yes you don't know what Matt yeah, Bullard looks like um, no, okay. fans like how many 610 really tall athletic looking white guys are walking around um, and the basketball center, I, yeah, you know, they're probably sure. more congregating in basketball arenas across the country, Mike. I mean, I think, I'm with you. think about it. I'm with you. I'm I just thinking to myself, my I'm like, yeah, it's I should have trusted my instinct and been a little more confident, but uh, it was Matt. He, we had a great conversation. Spoke with Craig, too, and Kaylee. Loved them all. Um, like, literally... I ah, I love Kaylee so much. Um, shout out! Can we please get Kaylee? This this is okay. We said Gerald Green on the last one. We said Mad Max. Another person I want to get on this podcast is Kaylee Griffin. She is fantastic. I love what she's done in Houston this year. Um, yeah. Anyway, Matt Bullard would also be a really good ad. It'd be awesome to get all three of them. Just hey, you know, collab with Harden. My take. So yes, I completely agree with you, and it's it's weird because. I, I like comparing, uh, you know, NBA comparisons of guys in the past to guys now. But I think the Rockets have finally found their Astros version of Julia Morales with mm-hmm. Kaylee. They're, they're very, they bring similar energy. Like, I always like watching Astros games and seeing what Julia Morales brings to the exactly. broadcast. Love you, Julia. Kay, Kaylee, Kaylee brings the same sort of energy to the Rockets game. So Absolutely. I think that was an A-plus addition for the organization this year. Shout out to Kaylee, Julia, the entire Rockets uh, broadcast team, and especially Matt Bullard, who ends up at number 44 on my top 50 Rockets list. Mike, going to toss it over to you for your number 44. Uh, my number 44 is making a, another appearance on each of our lists, and that would be Mike Dunleavy Sr. Right. Uh, um, so Mike Dunleavy Sr., we talked about it. Uh, in depth on our last episode. Uh, interestingly enough, when you Google Mike Dunleavy, 
the first YouTube video that shows up, the title of it is Mike Dunleavy takes one of the nastiest charges ever from Houston Rockets Chandler Parsons. And I went back and I watched the video, and it is one of the nastiest charges uh, ever <laughs> taken that I've ever seen on an NBA court. Uh, has nothing to do with why he comes in at 44, but it was an interesting doing prep for the show. You see that, and it's like, yeah, the Rockets are always in the middle of it, it seems. Like, no matter what you're looking for, they're always in the, in the middle of, you know, a conversation about basketball, it seems like. Um, but, yeah, Mike Dunleavy Sr., uh, interestingly enough, he came into the league at the time when the three-point shot was being introduced into the games in the early 80s. Uh, and he owns the record for the three-point percentage. He shot 6.3% in the 1980-1981 season. That was the lowest in the league at that time. So um, another interesting fact about Mike Dunleavy. But uh, you alluded to it earlier in the show that uh, he did drop, what was it, 48 points in an NBA Finals game? 28, 28. 28, my apologies, 28 points. 48, uh, that would have been a bit crazy. Yeah, 28 points in an NBA Finals game. Uh, he came into the league, and he, he was a good role player for the Rockets, but it also has to do with, like you just alluded to, with Matt Bullard, his contribution to the game outside of the Rockets with the amount of coaching that he did, uh, not only for the NBA, but also he moved into the collegiate ranks coaching there. Uh, so my number 44 is Mike Dunleavy, Sr., all right, Mike Dunleavy Sr. making his second appearance on the list. Number 44 for Mike Brown, number 46 for me. Uh, an average of 45, uh, same as Ray for Alston, who was number 45 on our list. So now we get to number 43, and Mike, I'm going to let you take this one for number 43. Number 43. My The five guys on my list today all, it appeared, play for the Rockets in a similar time frame. Uh, or most of my five. So that was an interesting way to put this list together. My number 43 is par power forward Carl Landry. Carl Landry. Uh, the second Carl on the list. So we had Carl Herrera at 48, now Carl Landry at 43. Uh, Carl Landry, uh, for me, um, he had, when you go to the games and you see the intro video, you know, there's highlights of the, you know, the history of the team, right? Right. And one video that has made it into every single video, and I think it will for the rest of time, was in game three in the 2008 playoffs against the Utah Jazz, right. where Darren Williams drives to the basket and Carl Landry makes the block. But not only does he make the block, he saves the ball from going out of bounds and the Rockets won game three in Utah and avoided going down 3-0 in that series where Utah had won the first two games. Uh, Carl Landry was a, a try-hard guy, but he was tough. I mean, he was a guy that, you know, he averaged, you know, eight, po eight points, five rebounds, you know, in 2007, 2008, nine points and five rebounds in 2008, 2009. But he comes in at 43 specifically for that moment for me. It's a moment that I remember watching live it was a moment that I remember, well, here could be the turning point. Unfortunately, they didn't win that series. But it stood out as a moment in Rockets franchise to me because of how hated the Utah Jazz are and the ability to go into their building and win that game in such a dramatic fashion puts him at this level for me. So number 43, power forward, 
Carl Landry. Carl Landry, I love that pick. Uh, Carl Landry is the kind of guy that uh, he he was just like oh, I'm trying to find like a good comparison um, of him in today's era. Um, but the Rockets had a lot of those guys um, in that era of Rockets basketball. It was like Chuck Hayes, Carl Landry, and that was like the the rock solid like don't mess with me uh, front court. And Carl Landry, I think, is one of those guys that if you could have a Carl Landry on every team in the NBA, you should. And that's how, that's, you know, the similar mindset he played. He was a team first guy. He was, you know, undersized at his position, but was still one of the better rebounders at his position. Um, And just honestly, a great teammate. And, I wish Carl Landry could play forever. I think the day he was traded, I remember it because um, it was he was traded to Sacramento, um, and I forget who it was for. Was it for Ron Artest? Did we do we mention that the other day? I think uh, it was for Ron Artest. I'd have to go back and look. I, oh, you know what? No, it was the Tracy McGrady trade. Yep. It was the Tracy. They they, they dealt McGrady and they dealt Landry in the same trade. Kevin Martin comes to Houston. Um, and, oh man, like I was happy that we were getting Kevin Martin because I remember Kevin Martin was an animal back in the day, but when I found out it cost us Carl Landry, I was, I was not fully thrilled. I want to see if I can, let, let, let me pull up this, this trade in in its entirety. Okay. So I, I have the press release here from Sacramento. Um, the Sacramento Kings today acquired Carl Landry, Joey Dorsey, Larry Hughes, and cash considerations in a three-team trade with the Rockets and Knicks in exchange for Kevin Martin, Hilton Armstrong, Sergio Rodriguez. Okay. So the Rockets got um in that in that trade, the Rockets mainly got Kevin Martin. Um, and then they ended up getting uh I think it was like the Hilton Armstrong and the Sergio Rodriguez, but they never really played for the Rockets. So I don't know. That, that to me was just uh, it was such a bittersweet trade. It was just like, oh, we get we get Kevin Martin, who's probably going to be that shooting guard that we needed after T-Mac was hurt, but then we get rid of Carl Landry. So it was like, oh, what? what is this? Is this worth it kind of thing? But um, And I don't know if it was worth it. I don't know if the Rockets came out on top of that trade necessarily. No. I, Carl Landry, you, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, Carl Landry is a guy, uh, to me, uh, he's just a glue guy. You know, he's the type of guy, he's not going to make waves. Uh, he's going to be a go-with-the-flow coach. You need me to do this. I'll do this kind of, of player that the team benefited from, but he was also a guy that you did not want to mess with. Like Carl Landry and Chuck Hayes, uh, they were they were the the Rockets version of the Bash Brothers from the Mighty Ducks movies, right? Yeah. Like Those are your two guys. Like Do not – you go up for a layup, they will put you into the second row, and if you have something to say about it, they would welcome that. Yeah. So – uh, that's where I, I loved Carl Landry. Yeah. Carl Landry does end up on my list, but he is higher um, than what we will see on today's podcast. So tune okay. in for more Carl Landry stuff uh, down the line as we go through this 10 episode series. For me, number 43 is again from this era of late 2000s Rockets basketball. Um, and I think this is one of the guys that gets overlooked a lot. Um, 
when thinking about this era, but my number 43 pick on this list is none other than Luther Head. Luther Ooh. Head is number 43 on this list. A bit of a controversial state. I think it's a little controversial, but I'll explain why. I think Luther Head, like Matt Bullard and like Carl, like, I don't know about Carl Landry necessarily, but like Matt Bullard, a guy that was a little premature from his era. I feel like if Luther Head came out 10 years later, was drafted in 2015 instead of 2005, Luther Head would have had a really, really nice career in the NBA. The career did not last as long as would hope. He only lasted until uh, 2011. Majority of those years, though, were with Houston. Um, and I don't know. This is probably a lot of this has to do with the fact that um, he's from, like, my childhood. And I have good childhood memories from him. But look at this. Um, look at the stat right here. So his, his rookie year averages uh, eight points a game. Uh, he shoots 36% from three. That would make him the Rockets' best three-point shooter uh, right now, right? Correct. Yeah. Uh, next season, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reference uh, basketball reference here as well because um, I just want to get these attempts right. Because I mean, it's one thing if you shoot 36% from three, but if you're doing it on like two shots, then it's not as much. Um, but in his second year, 2006-2007, shot. 44% from three. He made two threes a game. I feel like if he was in this current system, he would be a monster. He could get you 20 a game, honestly. If they simply just, you know, ran screens for him so he could go and shoot, and then the next season, uh, next season went down back to 35%, um, and then simply he just lost his place in the rotation. He's one of the biggest what-ifs in Rockets history, in my opinion. Just because I feel like he could have been so much better than uh, than how he ended up. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, with just the fit and the timing. Um, he was on a team that was trying to contend while he was a rookie. Um, so that was, I think, a bit difficult. Um, while he was a young player, I should say, not as just a rookie, but... Um, I think that hurt his stock at the end of the day, but also, um, he was just a fun player, just a fun guy, uh, very easily to recognize for kids, given his last name, Luther Head, very easy to remember, that, that's something that I remember, I was like, whose last name is Head, like, where'd you come from, kind of thing, but um, it's just, a, it, it brings back good memories when I hear the name Luther Head. That, and that's why, for me, he ends up on this list. Maybe it's not necessarily deserving now that I've, you know, set it out and I list the guys, you know, before him. But, I don't know. To me, he just had a bit of – he brings a lot of good memories back, and I'll leave it at that. He, to me, is Lou Williams. Like, you think of Lou Williams in today's NBA – just a guy that can go get whatever bucket he wants. Great Which is shooter. Funny because Lou Williams and Luther Head are from the same draft class. Yep. So yep. that's why when you look at him, Luther Head, if I'm not went to University of Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I mean, sharpshooter. Sharp I mean, a, yeah. a dead eye. Do not leave him open. Um, 
that he didn't make my top 50 just because I don't think he played with us and made enough of an impact. But yeah, after you telling me, I mean, he's a phenomenal shooter. I, I think any Rockets fan should know the name Luther Head. Uh, and in today's system, I mean, good lord, I mean, how many threes would he be able to get up a game? Just sit him in the corner and just let him go do his thing. Uh, so I do think that he came into the league too early, and I love Luther Head as a Rocket. I think it was a good, a good selection by you, sir. I, if you if you look back at the two thousand five draft, Lou Williams was the forty fifth pick. Um, then you had Luther Head as the twenty fourth pick, and Gerald Green as the eighteenth pick. So just just some perspective to think about. Um, and, uh, some other guys, like, I'm just kind of looking at this 05 class and I'm thinking there's a lot of guys in this class that I think if you put in 10 years in the future would be exceptionally better than, than what they were. Um, Chris Paul's also in the 2005 NBA class, just, just heads up. Um, so a lot, a lot of 2005 NBA draft, uh, in my top 50, um, there's at least one more down the line, wink, wink, but. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, <laughs> heading up to number uh, 43 for you, right? We haven't done your 43 yet? No, 42, right? 40, excuse me, yes, 42. Number 42, uh, yeah. my selection is power forward Rodney McRae. Rodney McRae, number 42 on your list. Mike, explain your reasons. So Rodney McRae... Um, Here's something interesting, my interesting fact to lead off with, if you will. Rodney McRae was drafted at age 22 in the 1983-84 season. He played five seasons with the Rockets all the way up until he was 86. In those five years, the least number of games that he played in was 79. This is a guy that played 79 games in 83-84, then 82-82-81-81. and 81. Uh, now, he didn't start uh, his first year, but he started all 82 games in 84 and 85, started all 82 games in 85 and 86, uh, and then the next two years uh, basically started every game that he played in. So uh, his impact on the game was felt in every one of those seasons. Um, if you look at points per game, he, was in, he averaged double digits every one of those five years, uh, the high point being in 86 and 87, where he averaged 14.4. But if you look at this time in Rockets history, you look at in 83 and 84, they weren't very good. That was the year that they drafted Ralph Sampson, where he won uh, Rookie of the Year. But if you look at the next four years, in 84 and 85, they made the playoffs, lost in the first round to the Jazz. If you look at 85 and 86, they went to the NBA Finals and lost to the Boston Celtics four games to two. If you look at 86 and 87, they went to the conference semifinals and lost to the Supersonics. And if you look at 87 and 88, they lost in the first round to the Mavericks, three games to one. Not uh, great history, but if you, this five-year stretch in the organization was he was a part of teams that were going to the playoffs every year, um, you know, obviously going to the NBA finals in 85 and 86. So he was a guy who contributed double-digit points, Played in nearly every game, uh, was on one of the NBA Finals teams, uh, and every year that he played for the Rockets, he averaged more than five rebounds every season. Um, so 
that would be my reasoning behind my number 42, power forward, small forward, however you look at it, Rodney McRae. Yeah, Rodney McRae um, definitely rings a lot of bells um, from the, the late 80s, that, you know, era the the in between the the first the 86 finals and the 94 finals the era of some really good teams that um are often forgotten i think in rockets history just because um they didn't necessarily make it to the top but nonetheless some very good teams come out of that era and rodney rodney mccray a big part of that rodney mccray ends up on my list as well um a little bit higher than 42 but uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Mike. Uh, and Rodney McRae is a good addition to this list, a necessary addition to this list. So uh, I, I, I don't, I won't say that I'm studied a whole lot of Rodney McRae given just uh, my age. But uh, Rodney McRae, from what I've, you know, seen the highlights from him, he seems like a guy that just y- you love to root for. If that makes sense. Yeah. This is a guy that played 10 years uh, in the NBA. Uh, He played, I went to the University of Louisville. He, just a good guy, man. I mean, just a a solid, I mean, he was 6'7". And I know we're going to talk about this throughout the episodes that we do doing this. I think another guy that was playing before his time. You know, you look at a guy who's 6'7", 220 pounds. I mean, that's the type of guy that would be a perfect addition in today's small ball minded NBA where you would use him to guard a guy like a Kevin Durant, not completely shut down a guy like Kevin Durant, but guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, Rodney McCray would have been a tool for a team to utilize against guys like that. Yeah. And if you look at the 83 draft, Ralph Sampson is your number one pick, number three pick. Rodney McRae. Yep. So they had two of the top three picks in that draft. Imagine if a team today had two of the top three picks in a draft. How completely altering that would be for a franchise. Yeah, I I think you're right. But I also think that the NBA draft, I mean, I think the NBA has moved towards, not to stray too far from, you know, doing our list, but the NBA has moved so far one way of you need superstars and most of the superstars you get are via free agency or trade that I think that that people forget that teams are built through the draft still, but not as many teams. I mean, if you say, okay, here's two of the top three picks, that's not going to translate to immediate team success right away for most teams. So. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on from your 42 to my 42. Um, This is another controversial pick um, that I think won't necessarily be a very popular uh, among our listeners, but I will still stick to my guns um, and go with number 42. Do you have an idea as to who it could be, Mike? Well, with all the detail you've given me so far, uh, give me an era. Um, it's within the past 10 years. Position? Is that too far to ask for a position? Uh, forward. I'll leave it at that. Uh, 
Shane Battier? Nope, not Shane Battier, um, though he does end up on this list at some point. Uh, I guess I'll give you one more guess, and then I'll just I'll just blurt it out. Okay. So. Oh, God. I mean, Boston Knockbar. No, Boki Knockbar not on this list. Although, he was... Now that I think about it, I kind of wish I put him on my list. Now that you mention him, I don't yeah, know if he's yeah. on your list or not, but uh, Boki Nakmar is not on my list. Uh, okay. But my 42 is Chandler Parsons. Okay. Now, this is going to get a lot of flack, but I want to direct our listeners back to 2014. I remember the day that it was announced that Parsons wouldn't be coming back. Um, and that was when um, it was the day of the 2014 uh, FIFA World Cup final. It was, I believe, Germany and Argentina. Um, and I was, I think we were watching the game upstairs in my living room. Um, and I was like on my phone and I get the Woj notification up. Oh, Chandler Parsons and Rockets uh, will not reach an agreement or something like that. Something along the lines. And I remember I was so upset, Mike. I was so upset. I was maybe 15, 16 at the time. And I was so upset. I was like, why are the Rockets doing this? You know, they, they, they were on the precipice of doing something real good with that team. They lost in that first round prematurely to the Blazers that year. And Parsons was a huge part of that team. I knew he was going to get a lot of money, but I thought the the, the Rockets were saying, Daryl Morey was saying they would match any offer for Chandler Parsons. And then when Daryl, you know, blindsided me, man, blindsided me and said, no, Chandler Parsons, I was so upset. I don't know if I've been more upset about a player not coming back to Houston um, since DeAndre Hopkins. That was it. It was DeAndre Hopkins and Chandler Parsons, and it's in that same realm. Um, little, and I know people are going to give me a little too for it. DeAndre Hopkins there, Jeremy. People are going to give me flack uh, for it. But, I mean, and look, and yes, I should be way more upset about DeAndre Hopkins. But also, it's only been a week since DeAndre Hopkins got dealt, and people are in their feelings about it. And yes, I get it. But when Chandler Parsons was here, he was such an exciting player to watch. Oh, my goodness. He was he, he was. was he slashed. He was a slasher. He was a second-round pick that you know came into fruition, and he was like an underdog kind of thing, but also not at the same time. Um, I think, I think he's lower on this list than I would originally have him because of how he has acted since leaving Houston and the whole you know Dallas is better thing, and obviously that and that that bumped him down for me. If 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 he stayed with the Rockets a little bit longer or just you know, closed his mouth about it, he probably would have been in the somewhere in the 30s. But for me, Chandler Parsons was just, I loved watching him play. And and he was a good player. He was a good player for the Rockets while he was here. Um, you know, I want to say double-digit points his last three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was a huge player. Um, for the Rockets, especially when they were trying to, you know, build up. He played three seasons, uh, nine and a half points in his rookie year, 15 in his second year, and then 16 in his third year. Um, 
to see how his career has kind of drifted since then has been somewhat disappointing. Um, he's gotten the bag. He got the bag twice, once in Dallas, once in Memphis. He's chilling. Uh, but when he got in that car accident early this year, I couldn't help but think, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, I, I would I would hate to be in his shoes because, you know, you know, I think he was finally working on, you know, trying to prove to people that he wasn't just, you know, a bank. He wasn't just collecting checks just for the sake of collecting checks. And I don't know if he'll ever get that chance to really prove that. Um, he's going to have a lot of money and he's going to be financially very stable hopefully for a very long time. Um, but I think he wanted more than that. Um, and, you know, his best, I think his best years were with the Rockets. Um, and it's just disappointing that it wasn't longer, in my opinion. He, uh, he came in at 51 for me. Uh, he was a guy, I hated how he left. I thought the, the whole him signing a contract with Mark Cuban in a nightclub uh, incident, I thought was a terrible look. Um, I'm not one to judge. I mean, I'm glad he got paid, but when he left, I thought that was an interesting way to, to leave. Fair, though, to be fair, to bring him in that, I think he signed that contract thinking the Rockets were going to match that contract. Yeah. And, and hey, I mean, when you're in the when you're in a club, you're gonna make decisions that may be a little more uh, skeptical when you're sober than when you're not sober. So. I don't blame him for that, um, and I think he had every intention to return to the Rockets that year. I don't think he was like, "Oh, I'm going to go to Dallas to you know piss Houston off." I think he was going to Dallas because, hey, they're going to give me a lot of money, and Houston's going to bring me back. But yeah. that wasn't the case. I mean, seeing he was definitely a good selection for you. Um, he he was a stud. I mean, that to me that that's the only thing you can say. I mean, he was good at University of Florida. I mean, I was shocked uh, that he lasted as long as he did in the draft. I mean, a guy who's six nine can cover multiple positions. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> that's it. That's I'll say about it. Um, you know, good three point shooter. He wasn't a great three point shooter, but he was a. Um, you know, all three years that he was here. I mean, he his last two years he hovered right around forty percent. I mean, he was at 37 and 39 percent yep. consecutively there in his last two years. That makes so him the best three-point shooter on the Rockets today. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I, I wish we would have signed him. I wish we would have brought him back. He was a guy I hated to lose. Mm-hmm. So that that to me is more of why he's here on this list is because I I think most people remember Chandler Parsons for how he left versus his tenure here, and his tenure here was very impressive. Um, and I don't think people should overlook that uh, when it comes to Chandler Parsons. So that is why I have selected him as number 42 on my list. So now we get to number 41, and I'm going to go with this one. Another guy that's still in the NBA, does not play for the Rockets anymore. Um, you know what? I'm, I'm really happy to see how this person's career has gone post-Rockets. Um, it's definitely way more than I ever expected, um, but I think people, and he won't be remembered in his career as a Rocket, but I think it's important to at least acknowledge it here on this list. So my number 41 pick on this list is defending NBA champion Kyle Lowry. Oh my lord. 
Yes, Kyle Lowry has made the top 50 on my list. Um, and I remember him um, as another, you know, and the, my favorite kind of players are the guys that, you know, scrape through the second round and work their way up. And Kyle Lowry was the definition of that. Um, played, what, four seasons in Houston, three and a half, four seasons in Houston. Uh, he was kind of, he took the reins from, uh, from Aaron Brooks and he just got better every year. And it was, it was so fun to see him in that era of Rockets basketball where the team shouldn't have been as good as they were. They weren't a playoff team, but they should have been an under 500 team. Those teams overperformed. And I think when you have guy, when you have teams like that, that, uh, aren't that overperform that aren't necessarily title contenders, but they do better than expected. Those are some real interesting, fun teams to watch. And Kyle Lowry was part of that. Um, and he deserves to be on this list, in my opinion. Um, you know, he, he just got better every year. His best season as a rocket probably came during the lockout year, uh, 11, 12. And he averaged 14 points a game to go with six and a half assists. And if you think about it, like, that's pretty impressive for a point guard at that stage, you know, at, in, in that NBA. Um, and I think that he doesn't get a whole lot of credit for that because of, you know, his career afterwards. You know, now he's a six-time All-Star, um, which, again, like, never would have expected in Houston. But uh, for me, with Lowry, it was more about um, – just he was like they traded him for a first round pick like a really good first round pick too it was like i think the lottery pick number 12 overall if i'm not mistaken or something like that and i think what people will remember about that trade is that they used that draft pick to then trade to the oklahoma city thunder mm -hmm. for one james harden exactly so, so Kyle lowry was basically traded for James Harden. Basically. So, I mean, hey, something real good came out of him. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I think I think a lot of people will forget Kyle Lowry's Rockets tenure, but it came at a time when he was very young, um, wasn't in the prime of his career yet, but he was approaching that. Um, you know, and I think that trade for him really benefited him because I think that the Rockets – while they liked Kyle Lowry a lot, um, I don't think he would have necessarily been at the height of his career like he is now if he was in Houston versus Toronto. I think what Toronto has done with him is absolutely incredible. Um, they've turned him into a top five point guard in the NBA, uh, which is something I never would have expected uh, while he was in Houston. So um, props to Kyle Lowry, uh, and he earns the number 41 spot on my list. Well, Jeremy, I believe you set the table for me to announce my number 41 uh, my list, which I think this is an appropriate time to tell our listeners that you and I do not share our lists ahead of time. We do not. Because my number 41 is also Kyle Lowry. Oh! So thank today you. with our Five selections. We have two uh, exact players at the same spots, which I think is pretty cool. Hey, we're bat we're batting four hundred today. 
it's pretty good. Almost as good as Ted Williams. Yeah, Kyle Lowry. People forget that on some of those teams, we had not only Kyle Lowry, but also Goran Dragic. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, I know, I mean, that was 10 years ago. So it shows that this front office seeking out and finding talent is one of their strengths. Because Goran Dragic has also turned into a heck of an NBA player as well. Not a star, but he's still in the league, still Mm -hmm. performing at a high level. Uh, But Kyle Lowry, for me, uh, got better every year that he was a part of the Rockets. You know, he played from 08-09 to 11-12. His numbers went up every year, both on points and in assists. So he was a stud. But we talked about it in a previous episode as well, but organizational impact of Kyle Lowry. Who knows if they don't move Kyle Lowry for that number one pick or for the first round pick, do they get James Harden? You know, every piece of that James Harden trade was years in the making and years of acquiring different players that fit the right trade at the right time for the Thunder. And that, that first round pick from the Raptors was a key part of that. Um, so, you know, yes, without Kyle Lowry, the Rockets may not have gotten James Harden. Um, but yeah, Kyle Lowry has turned into an NBA talent that I didn't think would be possible. I thought when he was with the Rockets, I thought he was a little too thick, not overweight by any stretch of the imagination, but he was a thick point guard. He was a, a guy that always played on the heavier, bulkier side. And I don't know if that was the right fit at the time, but it was clearly he's, I think it's working for him now. Yeah, I definitely think it works for him now, especially in that system that they have. He's the perfect complement to having other try-hard guys. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, yeah. he's a good leader of guys that may not have, may aren't superstars, but play at a level that he can complement very well. Um, now, it, here's here's a bizarre question. Uh, just given how his career is going. Um, not saying he's a first ballot, but could you see Kyle Lowry in the Hall of Fame someday? Oh, man. Man, that's a, that's a million-dollar question. Right off the bat, no. I don't think so. I think he will go in the Hall of very, very good players, but uh, he's fringe to me. But gun to my head, I would say no. Yeah, you know, I mean, I kind of just threw that out just to see, like, just it's to kind of say it out loud and figure it out. I mean, I look, he, he's obviously he's got about maybe a year or two left, I think, of of really of, of good, good, good basketball left in him. Um, and what he's done, I think more so, I, I think part of him being in Toronto, where... It's Canada's first championship team uh, helps his case. Um, and that might be ultimately what pushes him in if he were to get in. I think what hurts him, though, is the fact that he was never the best or num- the second or third best point guard in his era. It's To me, it's difficult. But six all-star appearances, You there are guys in the Hall of Fame that have fewer than six all-star appearances or True. just six all-star appearances. So... And and he has a ring that a lot of people in the Hall of Fame don't have. 
And I'm not saying that he was the reason behind that ring. I think he uh, was part of the reason. I think uh, him and Kawhi Leonard, more so Kawhi Leonard, but, um, you know. Um, I mean, Marcus Saul, uh, Serge Ibaka. I mean, he had a lot of talent on that team. There was a lot of talent. Now that that I say it, it kind of, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, But how many guys do you think, like, look, he was an all-star in, he was, he made his first All-Star appearance in his ninth season. It took him nine seasons to get to the All-Star game. Very rarely do you see that in the NBA, where guys play half of their career and then finally start becoming an All-Star. And I think that is a testament to Kyle Lowry in his, in his career overall. Well, I'll bring it back to this. I'm not putting Kyle Lowry in the NBA Hall of Fame if Rudy Tomjanovich is not in the Hall there of Fame. There you go. Amen to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not try, I'm not trying to bring it back to, you know, the Rockets. I'm just saying that in no way, shape, or form am I putting in Kyle Lowry before Rudy T. Mm-hmm. That's bottom line to me. But we are putting Kyle Lowry in our top 50 Rockets, both at number 41. Yes, sir. And I will remind the listeners uh, of my list from 45 to 41. Number 45 Skip to my Lou Ray for Alston. Number 44, uh, Matt Bullard, the best Rockets color commentator in Rockets history. Number 43, Luther Head. Number 42, Chandler Parsons. And number 41, Kyle Lowry, who we can't put in the Hall of Fame before Rudy T gets in. So, Mike, I'm going to toss it to you. Remind the listeners of your list from 45 to 41. Uh, 45, I had Rafer, Skip to my Lou, Alston. At number 44, I had Mike Dunleavy. At number 43, Carl Landry. At number 42, Rodney McRae. And at 41, Kyle Lowry. Excellent. So that's that's two where that's two matches. So um, we're gonna get to uh, what we'll do, Mike, is we will you know, keep track of how many matches us to have. Let, let's put a, let's put a number on it. All right. Let's put a number nine and a half. Okay. Are we going to get more or less than nine and a half matches on this list? Oh, it's a good number. That's we a good number. Two, and I two for the first, I missed, two for the first I two missed, episodes combined. I miss so sports much. That one you, per episode. Yeah. You gave me a, an over under and I feel like it's been so long since I've heard like an over under on anything that was just music <laughs> to my ear. Um, nine, nine and a half is tough. I'm going to go under. I think there's a couple like in the top 10 that I think we're going to match on just because you're going to hit on some of those. Uh, I think that's a fairly given, but I think there's a lot, especially with your 10 so far. Um, I, I think there's more surprises out there. I'm going to go under. All right. And I'll go over just because you're going under. And I also think that we are going to match a lot at the top. Uh, the fact they think that we have two matches already is pretty remarkable. Um, but I, I'm excited to see what this list has in store. Uh, your list as well. My, yours, yours list and my list. Absolutely. So on... Uh, the next time uh, you hear Mike and I, we will reveal our 40 through 36. I can already tell you that 
one of my picks is not one of uh, Mike's matches. I can promise you that. So it's someone we've already mentioned in the past. Uh, who is that? You have to wait until the next episode to find out. Uh, but until then, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of Harden My Take. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN and go check out all of our Rockets content, even through our coronavirus pandemic, at thedreamshake.com. And be sure to follow my own personal Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. And I'll toss it over to Mike to give his own Twitter. It'll be at UH Big Red Hat Guy. UH Big Red Hat Guy. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Uh, these are fun. I, I'm, I'm loving these. I love that yeah. we can pod through this pandemic together. We're going to make it. Yeah, absolutely. These have been so far. Wait for your next list, my man. When we come back to the NBA, we, it won't even feel like uh, we've been away for who knows how many months because we've been, we've been podcasting it through. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Again, thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Till next time, go Rockets.